Turn please to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, Ephesians 5. We've been uh, for some weeks now on the subject of being filled with the Spirit. And uh, we're continuing along that line. Ephesians 5 and 18, it says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, or actually the, the word excess would lead you to think that he's just talking about drinking too much wine. But really, if you look up the words, he's talking about debauchery. He's talking about causes you to go off the rails, out of control. And uh, don't do that, but instead of getting drunk, going off the rails, what can you do? Not just nothing, there's something you can do instead of getting high or getting drunk, which is better than getting high and getting drunk. You don't have to be just bored and things to be dull. You can be filled. Don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's not even a period after this. What goes with being filled with the Spirit? Speaking. Said out loud, be filled. Speaking. Be filled. Speaking. The speaking goes with the being filled. On the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to... Speak. Speak. Being filled and speaking go hand in hand. You don't have being filled with no speaking. (laughs) You know, when you're full, it's going to come out of you. And that's one of the main ways it comes out of you is through the speaking. You know, if you had no gas gauge on your automobile. You could still tell when it got full. Could you? Take the cap off. Put the nozzle in. Squeeze it. Just keep pumping. You can stop and go, I wonder if it's full. You don't have to wonder. Just keep on pumping. Is that right? You hear it gurgling in there and you go, man, I wonder if it's full now. You don't have to wonder. Just what? Just keep on. Is that right? And when it gets to a certain point, it'll start kicking back out of the mouth. Then what do you know? It's full. full. Same thing's true about you. Same thing's true about me. That's the main indication that you see fullness. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now this is not singing sad songs. This is not being depressed. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't make you depressed. He went on to say, giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's will for all believers under the new covenant is to be filled with the Spirit day to day. We saw that the same people that got filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 got filled again in Acts 4. And we see there's one initial reception of the Holy Spirit, but there are to be many following refillings. And actually, if you look at this phrase, our our text that we just read here, where it says, be filled with the Spirit, some leave the idea of be being filled. Be being filled. It's an ongoing thing. The term spirit-filled is used far too loosely in a lot of places nowadays. People use it as a tag, as a label. Spirit-filled church, spirit-filled ministry, spirit-filled people, spirit-filled activities, spirit-filled, spirit-filled. And just because you call it that doesn't mean it's full of the spirit. And just because you spoke in tongues a little bit 20 years ago, doesn't mean you've been full of the Spirit any time lately. Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit left you. 
It just means you hadn't been yielding to him. And you hadn't been full. And you don't have to ask somebody if you're full of the Spirit or not. I said, you don't have to ask somebody. You get full to overflowing, you won't have to ask anybody. You'll know it. You're full of joy. You're full of life. You're full of light. Well, go with me to the gospel account of John, please. Gospel account of John. And the uh, third chapter. I thought I would get into this a couple of months ago. (laughs) This was my original thought. That this is what we'd talk about in talking about being filled with the Spirit. But uh, the Lord quickened me that there's no need to go to this until we talk about speaking in tongues. And cover it somewhat thoroughly. Because this is the doorway into the rest of it. If you discount that and say that's not for you, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of things. I didn't say you weren't saved. I didn't say that you didn't have some experiences in the Lord. But if you'll yield to him enough, you will speak in tongues. I know I was a Christian, loved God, thoroughly saved for years who didn't speak in tongues. And thought I couldn't, thought I didn't know how. And you know, it'd been easy to believe it's not for everybody. But you don't want to water down the word to match your lack of experience. You want to let God elevate your experience to match the word. In uh, John chapter 3 and verse 5, there are some really important things we need to get to. John 3, 5, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. Everybody say, of the Spirit. Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Everybody read that out loud with me. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Why would you need to say that? There is a giant difference between flesh and spirit. And we need to know the difference. We need to be able to discern and distinguish between what is flesh And what is spirit? Not knowing this and understanding this is causing a lot of confusion. And I'm talking about amongst our groups, so-called word and faith, charismatic, Pentecostals, as well as other folks. In fact, just release faith right now. Say it out loud. Father God, God, teach me me the difference. Between spirit and flesh. I ask for it. In Jesus name. Thank you Lord. Don't assume you know. If you know a little bit. How many know there's a whole lot more to know? Jesus said that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He went on to say marvel not. That I said to you. You must be born again. Now he's talking to Nicodemus. And if you read this whole chapter. Nicodemus went on to say. How can a man be born again. When he's old. Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb. See he's thinking entirely what. Flesh. Entirely. And the Lord's talking about something else. He's talking about. Spirit. Spirit. So we're in faith now. We released a prayer just a few moments ago. We're in faith. What are we believing for? To discern. To distinguish. Between flesh and spirit. Go with me if you would to the fourth chapter of John. Oh hallelujah. (laughs) Sometimes 
in ministry, it makes me think of a bloodhound. You know, when, or, or a good coon dog. Either one. These hounds, they got a nose, man. And they can smell a particle that you wouldn't think anything could smell. Days old, weeks old, months old, and miles and miles away. But when they get that sniff, oh, oh. <laughs> man. We're going to get on the trail now. <laughs> That's what I almost want to do sometimes. I, I get the sniff of where we're supposed to go. Uh, oh! <laughs> Here we go. Why? Because it's a good trail. It's going, they get excited because they know what's at the end of that trail. They got a whiff of it all the way back here. And when they get there, they, it just gets stronger and stronger. And then they, lo and behold, they found what they've been smelling for the last X amount of time. There it is. Well, the Holy Spirit leads us. And if we'll follow him, we're talking about spirit and flesh. If we'll follow him, we'll get on the right trail. Wind up at the right places. In John 4 is the story of the woman at the well of Samaria. And uh, among other things, in verse 20... John 4, 20, she told Jesus, she said, uh, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So basically, she's asking the Lord, who's right? Which one's right? Where is the right place? The Jews and the Samaritans had a lot of division and separation. And so this group said, this is where you're supposed to worship and how you're supposed to worship. And the other group said, no, no, over here and like this. And verse uh, 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Basically, he's told them, neither one of you is right for this time. The hour is coming and it's here when neither one of those is going to be right. Verse 22, you worship, you know not what. (laughs) That's not a very good comment for their group. We know what we worship. The Jewish Hebrew people at least knew uh, we're worshiping the right God. For salvation is of the Jews. Keep going. But the hour comes he tells her again and is now because he was just a short time away from going to the cross and being resurrected the hour is coming and in fact it's here when the true worshipers shall worship the father in spirit everybody say in spirit in spirit spirit and in truth for the father seeks such to worship him Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a big difference between Old Testament praise and worship and New Testament praise and worship. I said there's a big difference between Old Testament thanksgiving and singing and praising and dancing and prayer. And New Testament. Old Testament. For most of the people. Was in the flesh. There were times when the spirit of God. Would come on an individual. To prophesy. Or a vision. Or to do a particular thing. But the rest of the vast number of the people. If they prayed, if they praised, if they sang, it was in the flesh. If they danced, it was in the flesh. But that's all they could do. Because the Holy Spirit was not yet given to indwell the individual. But today is different. We got a better covenant. 
established upon better promises. And one of the biggest things that makes it better is the fulfillment of prophecy that says in that day they won't say every man do his brother know the Lord because they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus told him, he said, his disciples and those that followed him, he said, the Spirit's with you, but he shall be in you. Oh, hallelujah. And now every believer can do things in the Spirit, not just in the flesh. Are we believing to learn the difference between in the flesh and in the Spirit? So she's saying, you know, we do it here and this way or here and this way. And what she's talking about is flesh, a geographic location, a ritual. You know, I've heard some folks said, you know, Jesus, what he taught is not for us. He was still under the law and he was teaching the law. That is wrong. I said, that is wrong. Jesus didn't teach the law. If you got a question about that, read Matthew 5 real carefully. Go through verse after verse after verse. He said, it was said, it was written, but I say to you. You remember that? Right. He's introducing the new covenant. And it's actually a serious thing to try to minimize the words of the master and imply that they don't apply to us. No, my friend, the words of Jesus are life, hallelujah, and health and healing. You better be listening to the words of Jesus. (laughs) In fact, how about just saying it out loud? The words of Jesus are for me today. Oh, yes, they are. There's some folks that are confused about some things, but don't let it rob you. Now, what did the master say? Read it again. This last verse. The hour comes, now is, when what? Why would you say true worshipers? If they're true worshipers, what else must there be? False worshipers. Our phony worshipers are just doing stuff in the flesh. The time comes when true worshipers shall worship the Father how? In spirit. What's the opposite of in spirit? In the flesh and in truth. What's the opposite of truth? Any kind of falseness. Any kind of phoniness. Any kind of pretend. Said out loud in spirit and in truth. Now here's a great thing. For the Father seeks such. And in what we just got through looking at, you can see why. For all these centuries, he's had worship and praise in the flesh. Right? But with the coming of Jesus and the availability of the new birth and the giving of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he doesn't have to just take Flesh stuff. Sacrificing of animals. Going through the rituals. No. He can have something that's beyond flesh. He can have spirit. Oh glory to God. And he's been looking for that. And he's been seeking that. And he's hungry for that. And he wants that. If that's what he wants. That's what we are to give him. How many will agree that's what we ought to give him and nothing else? Read verse 24. God is a spirit. He's not flesh. Now Jesus now has a flesh and bone body, glorified body. But that's because the word became flesh, dwelt among us. But the Father is not flesh. The Holy Spirit is not flesh. The prophet that saw him on the throne high and lifted up said he was fire from his loins up, 
fire from his loins down. You hear people sometimes talking, you know, it's almost comical. What color you think God is? And somebody was telling them, they were from a different religion, and they were telling somebody, they said, you know, Jesus is a white man's God. And you got folks saying, no, Jesus was black. Jesus was brown. Oh, it gets quiet when you talk about this stuff. <laughs> no? Uh-uh. And what color is the Father? What color is God? He's not white. He's not black. He's not red. He's not brown. He's fire color. There's all the colors in there. Is that right? I mean, you see all the colors in fire. And we're all his kids. And it's foolish to get hung up in things like that. No, the thing you don't want to talk about is him being spirit. Spirit has nothing to do with hair color, eye color, skin tone. You are a spirit. You are. God is a spirit. You are a spirit. You're sitting there right now looking at me out of your house. Through your two windows. Now just like we live in houses, you know, in different places. And houses are painted different colors. And houses have different roofs on them. But that don't tell you everything about who's on the inside of the house. We can see your house. We don't see you. You're on the inside. And when you've been born again, you have been made in the likeness and the image of him. Hallelujah. Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. And the Bible says when we see him, we're going to be so amazed because we're going to be like him. When he comes and we're changed Even the outer man's going to be changed. We're going to look at him. We're going to look at us. We're going to look at him. We're going to look at us. We're going to go, what? And he's going to say, I told you. I told you. I've made you like me. We are spirit. God is spirit. We should emphasize spirit. We should focus on spirit, which is not the same. As flesh. Read it again if you would. Verse 24. God is a spirit. And they that worship him. Must. In other words. That goes back to explaining. True worshipers. The only way you'd be a true worshiper. Is if you're worshiping him. In spirit. And in truth. If you're worshiping him in the flesh. Under the new covenant. You're not a true worshiper. You're doing some things, but that's not what the Father's looking for. It's not looking for a bunch of stuff in the flesh. Go to the sixth chapter, please. How many believe we're making some progress? Do you you believe we're on the trail? (laughs) John 6 and 35. Now, chapter 6 is a lengthy chapter in John. And there are a lot of wonderful things here. And he gets into talking about the bread or the manna from heaven. And this is also the day his support and his crowds were drastically cut. It's the truth. After this sermon he preached and this day, a lot of people did not come to his meetings anymore. And if it had been today, they would have called in or emailed and said, take my name off the, <laughs> off the mail list, and we're not going to be supporting your ministry anymore. Now, I know that sounds hard for us to imagine, talking about Jesus, but it happened. It happened. And this is where some of it really began to get started, where Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. Now, is he talking about you'd never physically get thirsty again or you'd never? He's talking what? Spirit. Spirit. But if you've read the rest of the chapter, how are they hearing? Flesh. He's talking spirit. They're hearing flesh. So they're not on the same channel. 
I'm the bread of life. He that comes to me will never hunger. He that believes on me will never thirst. Keep reading. He said, you've seen me and you believe not. For time's sake, skip on down to verse 38. He said, I came from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Now this is a big key to doing things in the spirit. I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Skip down to verse 51. It'd it do you good to take time, read this whole chapter real carefully. But if we did that, you know, we, we wouldn't get to other things. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. How many believe it's absolutely the truth? Amen. He is the living bread. If any man eat of this bread, he'll live forever. Now, was he talking about you would never die physically? He's not talking flesh. He's talking what? Spirit. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. Now, that made him mad. That made some, some of them mad. Said, How's he saying he's the bread that comes down from heaven? And, and he didn't help them out. He made it worse. He said, what I mean is, If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. And I mean, they lost it. They thought, this is error. This is bad doctrine. We, this is a cult. We got to get out of this right now. And they did. Hundreds, I suppose thousands, left him that day, didn't go back. And skip down to verse 63. After they had, the main crowds had left, and it was just the disciples there, he said, it's, well, at this point and then after, it's the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. Everybody say that out loud. It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh Profits nothing. He said the words I speak to you. They are spirit. And they are life. If they just stuck with him. They'd have got revelation. As time went on. But it would have required faith. You don't have to understand. To trust. And this was a test. That they failed. They proved. They didn't really believe in him. Because if they had a. They've been like the rest of them. You know, he looked at the the 12 and said, are y'all going to leave too? Now that tells you how bad it was. Right? Right. People had left in mass. When you look around at your immediate staff and go, are y'all going too? That means most of the folks have gone. And uh, was it Peter that said, you have the words of where would we go? You got the words of life. Did they understand what he was talking about? No, but they believed in him enough to say, there's something here we're not seeing, boys. Let's just hang in there, right? Hang in here. We don't understand it. But he explains it right here in verse 63. It's the spirit that quickens. I'm not talking about flesh. I'm not talking about eating physical flesh and drinking physical blood. He is the word of God that was made flesh. Hallelujah. He was raised by the spirit of life. He's talking about life in his redemptive work. He's talking about healing in his broken body. He's talking about life and cleansing in the spotless blood of the Lamb of God. Spirit, spirit, spirit. Said out loud, it's the spirit that quickens. What about the flesh? The flesh profits nothing. Now skip over to John 12 and you see Jesus said this in John 5. He said it in John 8. He said it in numerous other places. John 12, 49. I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me He gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said to me, so I speak. 
I won't take the time to go through the verses, but there are several just right here in these chapters where he kept saying, I only do what I I see the Father do. I didn't come to do my own will. I don't speak my own words. This is key to doing things in the Spirit versus doing it in the flesh. Jesus didn't just say everything that crossed his mind. So, well, he's, he, he's God. He's functioning as God. No, he wasn't. He emptied himself. He is, was God, is God, always will be God. But he emptied himself, the Bible teaches, of his omniscience and power as God. And Philippians says he became like other men. And he functioned showing us how to do it. So when something came up, He didn't just say anything he wanted to say because it would have been in the flesh. And the flesh profits nothing. But when he would say what the Father directed him to say and do what the Father directed him to do, that would be in the Spirit. And that would be quickening. Hallelujah. And power. And life. <laughs> this is what we must learn. We're not above the master. We're not going to function above him. If he didn't just say whatever crossed his mind. And it worked. Then we can't just say anything that crosses our mind. And it worked. There's a lot of answers here. Do you believe it? Now, Paul and other of the apostles and prophets and evangelists in the book of Acts, they functioned like this too. That's why you see the kind of results. Let's look at a couple of them. In Acts, the 16th chapter. Acts 16. You remember the scripture said in Zechariah 4, 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's how things happen. Not by might, not by human effort or force, not by human power, but by God's spirit. Jesus kept telling them and us in the writings that he was completely dependent on the Father. I do nothing of myself. I don't speak my own words. I didn't come to do my own will. We saw, was it last Sunday, about how that great faith is completely submitted to God. That's right. It's not this I have faith, I can do whatever I want to. That's an error. I said that's an error. If you understand faith, you understand it is completely Dependent on him. Completely dependent. In Acts 16, about the 16th verse. Y'all got a few more minutes? Acts 16. Notice some things. Are we a part of the same church that we're reading about in the book of Acts? Things work the same way today as you're reading about in the book of Acts. Absolutely. In the 16th chapter, we see something happen with Paul. It said, it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. We might say fortune telling. And the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are servants of the Most High God. Now I'm sure it didn't, it didn't sound that nice. Because it's by a wrong influence. It was grading. These men are servants of the Most High God. They show us the way of salvation. It would have been something that was irritating to you. Now this is, note this. Is this true? It is true. But who wants the devil testifying for him? This is how the devil is. 
He's tricky. He's crafty. Verse 18. And Paul, because he understood his authority, shut her down immediately. Because he knew he had authority in the name of Jesus. So he just took authority over that and shut her up and it stopped immediately. Are we reading the Bible? Are you with me? Is that what happened? No. What happened? What happened? She did it what? Another day. Another two days. She did what? He's been a servant to the Most High God. He come to show us the way of salvation. <laughs> she did it what? What? He's been a servant to the Most High God. He come to show us the way of salvation. He come to show us the way of salvation. How many other times did they hear it? How many other times? Why didn't Paul stop that? Why did Paul put up with that? Did he not understand that he had authority in the name of Jesus? Why did he put up with that? Why did he put up with that the rest of the afternoon? (laughs) Much less another week. Much less another three weeks. How many days is many days? Couldn't be just a week or two. Many days. How many days? Don't you reckon that God all? Oh, yeah. He's being a servant to the most high God. <laughs> Do you reckon that God all? Yeah. Help me out, saints. Why didn't he shut this down? Why didn't he stop this? This she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, Finally, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And that caused a whole other set of problems. (laughs) Then he had people wanting to kill him because they couldn't make money off of her fortune telling anymore. Because when he did that, she lost her ability to tell any fortunes. Now, how could you make a bunch of money off of somebody telling fortunes? Because some of it's right. Some of it happens. Some of it was stuff nobody could know or nobody knew. But it wasn't God. Friends, do not mess with this stuff. Do not. You don't want your palm read, your tea leaves checked. (laughs) None of it. You're just opening yourself up to be tricked and deceived. And people come away and go, yeah, but it was really true. It was really true. I don't doubt it. The devil knows some stuff too. Don't make it God. And he he just buttering you up for what comes next. No. Why did Paul tolerate this? Why didn't he immediately, before she got through saying, these men are servants, before, in the middle of her phrase, why didn't he say, shut up! Stop it, come out of her right now. Why didn't he do it? Why didn't he do it? What would Jesus have done? Somebody said, he would stop that immediately. Would he? What did Jesus say he would have done? Nothing of himself. He would only say what he heard the Father say and do what he saw the Father. That's all Jesus, according to him, that's all he would do. We see him go to the five porches of sick folks and minister to one man and walk away. Why? That's all he heard. That's all he saw, and he's functioning as a man. Now, if everybody had heard the word and believed, like many times he went and preached, it said every one of them was healed. But when you're ministering in a special way like this, you're just doing what the Lord told you to do. 
Can you see why, friends? Well, no, you need another example. All right. Go on over to 27, I believe it is. Chapter 27 and verse 20. Obviously, when he said that after many days, he didn't say it in the flesh. He said it with some anointing. He said it by the direction of the Lord. If he'd have said a bunch of stuff in the flesh, what would have happened? The flesh does what? Profits? Nothing. In Acts 27, verse 18, tells the story of uh, Paul on board the ship that was taking him and other prisoners. And uh, he had warned them and said, uh, we don't need to leave here. I perceive uh, this previous island they were on. I perceive this voyage will be with much hurt, damage. Loss of the cargo, loss of life. But the owner of the ship and the others decided he's a preacher. He don't know what he's talking about. And the weather was good. And so they left. And not long after they left, they got in a hurricane. And they got caught up in the hurricane. Now, hurricanes can be huge. But eventually, if you were traveling, you'd go through it, come out on the other side. But when you're a sailing vessel like this... They're caught up in the storm. They're traveling in the hurricane. And they were there for weeks. (laughs) It says, being exceeding tossed with the tempest, they lightened the ship. The third day, we cast out with our own hands a tackling of the ship. Now, this is the equipment you need to operate the ship. That's how desperate they are. Throw anything you can overboard to make it lighter so we don't sink. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. Does Paul know he has authority in the name of Jesus? Why doesn't he stop this storm? Why didn't he just speak to it and command it to peace, be still? Second day, third day. Tenth day, fourteenth day. Why? Verse 21, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, I told you so. (laughs) I've heard people say you should never say that. Well, he did. (laughs) He said, you should have listened to me. And not have loosed from Crete. And have gained this harm and loss. Why? They didn't listen to him. He didn't have the authority. Wasn't his boat. Wasn't his cargo. And they didn't yield that place to him. And so they lost the protection that would come with his leading and anointing. And now their disobedience is affecting him. He said, you shouldn't listen to me, not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. What does that mean? If you'd listen to me, we'd all be on the beach right now. (laughs) Ship safely in the harbor. All the cargo safely on board. Does it matter if you listen to what the Spirit of God tells you or not. If you ignore what he tells you, you can't just blare on into it and quote some verses. And be okay. And you can't just get in the middle of it and have all kind of havoc and go, I'm going to bind this up. I'm going to shut this down. Have there been a lot of people who said a lot of things and it didn't work? And people go away and say, well, see there, there's nothing to that. Must not have been the will of God. No, no, no. It's just that the flesh profits nothing. And when you just say and do stuff in the flesh, no matter how well-meaning, no matter how loud you get, (laughs) it profits nothing. No power in it. 
No life in it. He said if y'all listen. He couldn't. Everybody listening to the words here. He couldn't. Just get on the deck of the ship. And stop that storm. Because none of them were even supposed to be there. They are the ones that went where the Lord told them, don't go. But he didn't give up. And he kept praying about it, seeking the Lord about it. Why? In order to do something in the Spirit, you got to have connection with the Spirit. You got to get something from the Spirit. Come on, are y'all with me? What would Jesus have done? Now see, people would jump to conclusions and they, they'd say, well, he'd have just stepped off of there and walked on the water and got out of there. <laughs> now if you ask Jesus what he would have done, what would he tell you? I only do. What I hear the, uh, say what I hear the Father say, I only do what I see him do. That's what he'd have told you. I don't do my own will. The servant's not above his master. We can't do something differently than how the Lord did it and have the same results. He said, but I exhort you to be a good cheer, for there'll be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. They don't know how glad they ought to be that that preacher was on the boat with them that day. Is it possible to miss God terribly and still get saved? Oh, hallelujah. His mercy endures forever but at some point you got to start listening <laughs> there will be no loss of any man's life but we're going to lose the ship oh come on Paul <laughs> I mean this would be comparable to a cargo ship of today you're talking about a lot of money somebody invested a bunch into this they're counting on these goods getting to this other port and selling them and distributing them by today's standard, this would be millions, or today it'd be hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a lot of money. This is a lot of stuff. And you got the ship. Right. A ship. It might not look big to us today, but back in that day, it was a ship. Right. Not everybody had a ship. This is money. Right. He said, We're going to lose the ship. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Paul. Pray. Use your authority. <laughs> I can't, we can't, the company can't afford to lose $10 million. Well, what's the answer? You should <laughs> have listened to me. Is that right? You, should, you need to be thankful you ain't drowning out here. <laughs> Do you see how people try to just use pat answers for everything? And that's not how it really works. You actually have to pray and seek the Lord and commune with him and let him show you what to do and not just slap random confessions on it. This would explain a lot of things, wouldn't it? This would explain a lot of things. So everybody said out loud, this is the spirit that quickens. Oh, anybody like the quickening of the spirit? Quickens, makes full of life. And the flesh profits nothing. You don't have to raise your hand, but you can just give me a knowing look. Have you ever experienced where the flesh profited nothing? I have. I have. I've said and done things and nothing. Well, foolish people, people that are easily deceived go, well, see... There's not anything to that. That's bad doctrine. That's this. Or that. No, no, it's just flesh. Right. And the truth is, many, many Christians live almost completely in the flesh. Hardly any word, very little praying, seeking God, don't even believe in speaking in tongues. Come on, y'all with me. Almost completely in the flesh. Oh friends. Is it worth. Putting the flesh under. Would it be worth. Drawing near to him. He said if you abide in me. 
and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will. Now people will take that and they say, well, see, you can say anything you want. No, don't leave out the other part. You've been abiding in him. You're full of his word. You're communing with him. And in that atmosphere and environment, you hear and see what to say and do. Hallelujah. And when you say it and do it by the direction and prompting of the Spirit, there's quickening, there's power, there's healing, there's miracles. Keep reading. Verse 22. Be a good cheer, cheer up. How long have they been out there? Many days. Another one of these many days. <laughs> so if you've ever been in a situation where many days went by, and ain't nothing happening. You're in good company. <laughs> Paul was there more than once. But he knew about the Spirit of God to not just be saying a bunch of random stuff. He knew to get serious about seeking God. He said after long abstinence, that means he was uh, somewhere in that pitching vessel seeking God. He knows they're in trouble. Unless God has mercy, they're all going to drown out here. He knows that. But after long abstinence, after many days, verse 23, he said, there stood by me this night. He's saying, I have heard from God. I got it. Not just because you decided to say something. There stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. He's saying, I belong to God and I serve God. There's a little parenthetical statement. Y'all don't know who you've been riding with. (laughs) I'm God's man. I belong to God and I'm actually on a mission for God. He was. He was going to stand before kings. Is that right? He was going to preach the gospel to them. And we see that in verse 24. The angel said, Paul, don't be afraid. Why would he say that? (laughs) Well, how'd you like to be in a hurricane for weeks? You don't want to be in a hurricane for a couple of hours. Paul, you have to be brought before Caesar. And lo, God has given you. Why would he say that? Because Paul asked him. God has given you all them that sail with you. It ain't because of them. It's because of you. You asked for them and God gave them to you. Woo-hoo-hoo. That's why I said they had no idea how glad they ought to be. You know, it should be that way every time you get in a car, every time you get on the bus, every time you get on a ship, every time you get on an airplane. Is that right? I'm not talking about bragging because you think you're something, because you know you can't do anything. You're going to say what the master says. I can do nothing of myself, but I do know him. Hallelujah. And he's in me and I belong to him and I serve him and he takes care of me. And if you'd ask him to and believe, he could give you a whole bunch that don't even believe in him. Spare their lives. He said, you've got to be brought to Caesar. That's got to happen. You know, at the turn of the century, there was a man of God that he, he got severely persecuted for preaching Acts 2-4. Had death threats for preaching that you could still be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. Thank God for people like that. Or you and I wouldn't have the light we have today. But some of his family was so concerned for him. They said, brother, you know, you can't just keep going out like this. These people will kill you. And he boldly, he says, until I complete my course for the Lord, I am, what was this word? Yeah, it was invincible or something. In other words, I can't be killed. I can't be killed. Hallelujah. Is that true? And that's what he's telling Paul. He says, no, Paul, you can't die out here. You got an appointment. 
Boy, it didn't feel like it. It didn't look like it. It looks like you ain't going nowhere except to the bottom of the ocean here. But he said, you got an appointment and you've got to make this appointment and God has heard you and has given you everybody that's sailing with you in this boat. They're going to make it too. Verse 25, he said, wherefore, sirs, like I told you, be a good cheer. Cheer up. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. How do you say I believe it's going to be? Not just like I decided for it to be. Not just like I said off the top of my head that I want it to be. He heard from God. How does faith come? You can't have faith for just anything and everything that comes off the top of your head. You can try, but it's flesh and it profits nothing. But he said, I believe what he told me and it's going to be. Even as, just like he told me, how be it, we're going to be cast on a certain island. He already told them, we're going to lose the ship. We're going to lose all the stuff, but we're going to make it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's not just a matter of Paul knowing his authority. Right. Not just a matter of Paul having faith and straightening that bunch in that situation out. If the master says, I can of my own self do nothing. Did Jesus say that? Did he say that or not? Jesus said, I can of my own self. Most people don't even believe that. They imply that Jesus, as he was on the earth, he walked around, you know, he walked on the water. Why? Because he's God. Do what he wants to when he wants to. He healed everybody. Why? Because he's God. He he cast out the devils. He raised the dead. Why? Because he's God. Well, that's wrong. He is God, but he's not functioning as God. And he didn't just do stuff because he decided to and wanted to in his own hometown. He could there do no mighty works. Well, if there's any place you want to look good, it's your own hometown where you grew up. See, if he'd been functioning the way people imply that he would, he'd have said, so you don't believe in me, huh? You don't believe in me? Get me some people out here. Get me some crippled people, some blind people, some deaf. Line them up. I'm going to show you. I'm the son of God. He didn't do it. Not only did he not do it, he said he couldn't do it. Mark 6, 5. Matthew. Read about it. Now, this is different from religion, isn't it? Religion preaches something different from this. And a lot of times people mean well, but they're preaching contrary to the scriptures. But this is good news. This will set you free. Hallelujah. Instead of thinking, well, sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. No, no. The Spirit always quickens. Hallelujah. But the flesh always Profits nothing. And so if you and I did some stuff in the flesh and it didn't work, didn't get any results, don't get upset at God. Right? Right? Don't get upset at God. You know, we've been living too carnally. You know, if you feed on secular, ungodly television for six hours a day, and then you need to release faith and just pause it long enough To make a good confession. That's likely to just be in the flesh. And not have any power to it. (laughs) But if you abide in me. And my words abide in you. Oh can you see he's talking about communion. He's talking about fellowshipping with him like he fellowshiped with the Father. And as you do that, you're going to hear the Father say some things. You're going to see the Father do some things. And when you say what you heard him say, hallelujah, power, healings, quickening, finances. Come on, are you with me? When you do what you saw him doing in you and through you or in that situation, something's going to happen. Something's going to be released. Things will change. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, glory to God. Praise be to God. I want us to lift our hands. I want us to thank the Lord.
for answering our prayer. Teaching us the difference between flesh and spirit. Come on, let's lift our hands and do that. We prayed to prayer. Are we in faith? Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. Come on, just thank you for a few minutes. Lord, we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for showing us what to do. We thank you for opening the eyes and enlightening the eyes of our heart and mind and understanding and showing us how to function as the master functioned. Showing us how to operate like we see in the book of Acts. Showing us how to be led by the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. Showing us what is flesh and what profits nothing and what is spirit that quickens. Showing us how to be true worshipers that worship you in the Spirit and in truth. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.